Well, hey, Fellowship family, it's great to have you here and online as you're connecting with us. One of the things great about this past year, I mean, with all the challenges that we had, we don't, we don't ever plan on canceling church ever again because we can either do it online or here. But thank you for, you get a special, if you showed up today, you get a special reward. I'll give it to you in heaven when we meet there, okay? Now, I'm just thankful that you're here and especially thankful if you're online also. Hey, uh, I want to give you a picture just of things, uh, resources that we offer to you each weekend when we go through a passage of scripture and it's through our app and I don't know if you have our app but if you were to if you were to just search FBC Topeka um, on uh, the the Google store or uh, Apple store you'll come across this icon just tap on that download that that service that um, uh, that the app and you'll get this when you open up the app it's either on the top or the bottom of it and each weekend when we go through the message, I have message notes on there, so you can download those message notes and actually type in those and, or take notes in that, and then just send it to yourself after um, on, on email through PDF. And then, um, like this week, if you, you go to messages, this is safe and sound week three, tap that, and then tap message notes, and you can download that. Now, I'm sharing this with you now because I'm going to come back to this in my message. I have a resource for you related to what I'm going to be talking about, and it's also on there where you can locate it. All right, so we're in the book of First John. We're in chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, open up there with me, and we're going to get an image of of what, uh, what to do when we sin. And, and John is going to call us, again, out of darkness into light, to walk in the light as he is in the light and allow Jesus to cover us rather than trying to cover ourselves. And uh, last week we looked at that. And if you have uh, struggled with confession or have thought about what is this, last week was a good message to go into and learn about that. This week we're moving on and he's continuing to call us in into being people who walk in the light as he's in the light. So let's take a look at it. It's the first six verses of chapter two of First John. He says this, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation. And I'll explain that. Just hang with me. He's the propitiation for our sins and not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his command, or keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Okay. So take a look at that first verse again. He's saying, I'm writing these things to you so that you don't sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. And that's what I want you to remember. The big idea of this whole teaching is that you're not alone. You're not alone when you sin. 
you have an advocate. There's never a place you're in from the best day you have to the worst day that you have where you're not with Christ if you've put your faith and trust in him. So that's something, because if we have an advocate, there's the other side of that, and that is that we also have an accuser. And John is real quick in and throughout his writings. Think about John, the Gospel of John, which is a New Testament account of the life of Christ. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and then he also wrote the book of Revelation. So think about this. He's written five New Testament books, and they talk about an accuser known as Satan. And we believe that there is an evil person named Satan, and uh, it's not just a Saturday Night Live skit that everyone scoffs at. We believe this is a real being, and that he's at work right now in the world and in our lives, and, but, but we, are not, we are not defeated by him. Uh, Christ will defeat him. And John writes about what his work is. And in, in sharing that he's the good shepherd, in John chapter 10, he says the thief, referring to Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly or abundantly. And, and so he's saying that, that the, the stealing, the killing, and destroying, that's all the work of Satan. And then in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, it talks about a, um, a, a time when Satan is, is thrown away. And, and it shows in Revelation chapter 12, it says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come for the accuser. That's what they call Satan there. The accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And I didn't really get my mind around this until I read this, but then I also read in the book of Job of how Satan can appear right now before the throne of God and accuse people right before the throne of God. I, I, that was something I never got my mind around. And at this time, in the, and this, these, are, these are the end-time events, God will say, okay, out. You're not, not allowed here anymore. You cannot accuse the brothers anymore. And so the work of Satan is to accuse the brothers. And, and if you feel that when you sin, you feel uh, alone, you feel that you're on your own, you feel that you're lost, the, the accuser of, of the work of Satan is not just to tempt you to get you to sin, but it's to keep you defeated by that sin. And so when you sin, John is saying, start listening to who you are in Christ and what you have through Christ to help you deal with sin. Let's talk about that because that whole picture, and by the way, before I move on, I'm going back to that app because I put an essay on there by a guy named Thomas Sappington from the Gospel Coalition site. He talks through, how do we get to this belief of Satan? And where in the scriptures does it talk about him? And what is his work here on earth? And what will be his, his future? And that's a great thing. If you want that, it's totally free. Just go to that, our current our current message, and tap on that. Uh, but don't do it now because I want you to listen to the rest of the message. Okay, so the goal of Satan then is to separate us from the person, the work, and the way of Christ. Of all that whole picture is, is you know, what Christ has done for you. Satan wants to say, no, didn't work on you. 
when what Christ is calling you back to is a relationship of being with him in the light, Satan's saying, no, no, hang out in the dark, hang out in the dark. And, and you'll never be as good as he is. And you can never be as good as the other Christians around you. Satan will try to separate you in any way he can from all that's yours through the blessing of Christ. And so when you sin, it's very normal to feel this way. It, it, um, John writes, if anyone does sin, when, when you do sin, there's that feeling of isolation. There's this feeling of I'm alone. And, and there's this thought through, through uh, guilt and shame what happens when we sin, when we make a mistake, when we fail uh, following Christ. It, uh, guilt is you've messed up. Shame is you're a really bad person. And both of them have been extremely powerful uh, deterrents to us finding the work of Christ in our lives and living with that. It's not that we haven't messed up, because we have. And it's not that we aren't sinners, because we are. But God never wants to keep, to keep us alone in our sin. That's why Christ has come and come alongside of us. That's why we have the advocate. Secondly, we can feel desperation. Here's how it goes sometimes. Oh, I messed up. Um, I've got to be good. I've got to go to church today because I messed up this past week. So I don't care if it's snowing. I don't care what the degrees are or the wind chill factor. I'm going to church because I've got to be good. Now, I'm not sensing. Okay, I'm not judging you all for being here. That's not why you got it. But haven't you done that where you've got, I've got to be a good kid. Because maybe you had a parent who said, we'll just see if you can be good. Let's wait a week and then see if I can forgive you. Or maybe you had a boss who put you on probation or something like that. And you had to make your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. That is not God. But in other words, if it's going to be, it's up to me. How many times did you try to become your own personal savior when you already have a savior in Jesus, the righteous one? And then sin can also make us drift. It can make us feel lost. And that's a very normal thing to have happen in our lives when we feel we've disappointed God and that we'll never be good enough to get his favor. Now, all of this is wrapped up in works. And all of this is wrapped up on you performing good enough to have God accept you. And I would just say this. That is not the biblical picture of grace. The biblical picture of grace is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But at the same time, God is, God's provided that righteousness in Christ for us. And, and as we can realize our sin, we also have to realize our Savior, and we need to walk in him. So let's look at this passage again. John writes, my little children, verse 1. Now, John was probably in his mid-80s when he wrote this. And I can just picture this hunched up old man walking to the church in Ephesus and sitting down at the church in Ephesus and getting up and saying, my dear little children, I mean, grandpa is speaking, but it's just not like any other grandpa we've ever known. He's been one who literally heard the teaching of Jesus. He, he saw the risen Jesus. He touched the physical body of Jesus after he resurrected. I mean, wouldn't it just be awesome to be around someone like that? Who could, when they spoke, they had the authority of an eyewitness of Jesus. And he says, it's a loving term. He's saying, I'm writing these things, not that you should sin. No, I don't want you to sin. But if anyone does sin, when you do fall, 
We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So where sin will try to isolate you and the accuser will try to say, you are, you are alone, you are alone. Remember, you're not alone. Why? Because Christ is your advocate with the Father. Have you ever had an advocate? Um, if you've been in the hospital and you've kind of been out of it, it's been that person next to you who's a family or a friend who, who would represent your needs to the hospital staff. And, and they would be with you so you'd never be alone. They would fight their, your case for you. They would know what's going on with you. And when you couldn't do it, they could represent you. That's an advocate. That's an advocate, whether legal or physical, that people who stick with you. That's what we have. So even on your worst moment, even when you sin, even when you lose it, even when you mess up, you have an advocate. And it's Jesus, the righteous one. You need him to be righteous, by the way. He's not just your friend. He's your savior. He's the one who is righteous enough. He was righteous and holy and just and good. He's the one who's never messed up, and he's our advocate. So the accuser says, look at this one again. They keep messing up to the throne of God, and your advocate says, nope, mine. How can you love them? I do. <laughs> he's the one who is pleading your case, so you're never alone, even before the throne of God because of Christ. So therefore, do what John says. When you sin, confess your sin to him. There's so many options for you to cover, to say, oh, but you don't know my background, or oh, you don't know, realize my circumstances, or any right person, any person in their right mind who's gone through what I got deserves to do this or not to do that. Stop covering. Start confessing. Remember what John says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have an advocate. We have an advocate. Christ is that advocate with the Father. Confess your sin to him. Secondly, when you sin, we need to remember, we need to remember that he is. Who is Christ? He's the propitiation for our sins. Let's look at that. Again, that's a great scrabble word, but what does it mean? What does it mean? There's two aspects of that, and they all go back to the book of Leviticus. And the book of Leviticus is about the holiness of God and our own sin and what God has done to forgive us our sins. And he did that in the Old Testament in ancient times before the time of Christ through sacrifices. And there was one day uh, a year called the Day of Atonement where the high priest would sacrifice a bull and he would take the blood of that bull and he would sprinkle it on the altar, whether it was the, the tabernacle or whether, whether it would be the, 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 the temple. And that would cover the sins of the people. And so there's this picture that the wrath of God against our sin was taken out on that bull. Because that bull was the sacrifice for sin. And then secondly, the second thing that would happen on the Day of Atonement is they would take a goat and they would go out of the city and they would release the goat. And as the goat wandered into the middle of nowhere, they, it would symbolize that their sin had been taken from them. Okay? So the, we have a term that defines that, but we don't, don't always know the root. It's called the scapegoat. 
Have you ever heard of the scapegoat? The sins of the people have placed on that goat, and they've taken that goat, takes the sins, and walks away. And so that picture is, is that propitiation has this thing that all of the wrath of God, all of his righteous judgment on our sin, right now, is taken out on the cross. That's why the cross reminds us of that. That when Christ died, his blood, his death, paid the price for our sin. It's atoned for. It, God is completely satisfied with what Christ has done through his work. Secondly, secondly, he's fully satisfied now and pleased in us. Because when he sees us, he sees Christ. So two sides. Our sins are taken. Uh, God's wrath is completely satisfied And we now have, instead of the frown of God, the frustration of God, the anger of God, we have his smile. Now, I don't know why, but I just read the scriptures and I I see it. It's all because of God's grace. And so remember, you're not on your own when you sin. You're not alone and you're not on your own. Here's what I mean by that. It's not up to you to make things right with God. Why? Because in Christ... Your sins have been atoned, fully paid for. It's not up for you to give in the offering, to be a good person, to let your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, to to see what happens. Just try not to do it ever again. How many times have we said that? And we've tried to look to ourselves to make things right with God. And that's why this all requires us in our response just to rest. Rest in the completed work of Christ. Confess your sins. Rest. Do you take time? I know, I know it's that first thing that we might be most acquainted with is to confess our sin before the Lord. But do we take some time to just imagine the cross and the incredible work of Christ for us and to rest? You, you would only discount the work of Christ if you tried to be good. If you tried to measure things up to get back to God, rest in his work. Okay, let's, go, let's read the next and the last pat, uh, verses on that. There's several verses, so hang with me. It says this, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Okay, so this sounds a little bit like works if we're not careful. I just told you to rest in the work of Christ because it's his work for you. But this is now a picture of, oh, we've got to walk and we've got to keep his commandments and you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And it, it's real easy to be tempted back into the thing if you're lost and you've got to make your way back to God. But hang on for a second. Remember how John asks us, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. So you've been delivered from sin, and now you're being delivered out of darkness into light. That is, my friends, that's a journey with Jesus. And we're called to follow him in that journey. I don't know if you've ever had a guide on a uh, technical hike or a a high, uh, strenuous, you know, dangerous hike. If you've ever gone down or or hiked the, the Grand Canyon, which... 
Most people are told never to do that alone. Have a guide with you. And why? Because that guide has, has gone on that trail. That guide, when you're walking, will go, hey, we're coming up to a really narrow area with about a 400-foot drop. Would you just hang with me and hang close to the side there? Because if you're following a guide, you can't do things on your own terms. You can't go, oh, I'm just going to go here, or if, you're, if we're walking at night, I'm going to move away into the darkness. That's just foolishness. So what we're called here is to follow our guide, because Jesus guides us out of darkness into light, out of sin, and into the life of the light of Christ. And so where sin, when you sin, it's easy for you to say, I'm lost, I'm lost, and I, I don't know what to do, and what do I got to do to get back? We, we told you to confess and rest, but remember who Jesus is. He's our guide. He will never lead you into sin. He will never tempt you to do something that would destroy or kill or steal away what he fought so hard to win in your life. So we're called to realize that in Christ, we have the way, we have the truth, we have the life. That's one of the great I am statements in the book of John that John says. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So our, our goal then is to just follow, to follow Jesus. And here John says to walk in the same way in which he ought or he, he, he walked. And, and that, that picture means is that we're looking to Jesus and we're asking Jesus to lead us. We're not blazing our own trail. Sin does that. Sin says, I know you say this, I'm going over here. I know that you say that's the light, but I like to pursue that little flicker over there in my life and know we're called not just to confess and rest, but to follow because he will lead us out of sin. Okay, so just think about this with me because I think this is really powerful. How many times have we thought Satan was only on the front end of sin where he tempted us? But here we have it explains all the reasons why I feel so accused, why I feel so broken and defeated because I feel so alone. I feel that if it's going to be, it's up to me. I feel like I just got to try to be better and not do what I, I did in the past. And, and John is saying, no, no, everything you need is in our advocate, Jesus. It's his person, it's his work, and it's his way for us. So you never... You never outgrow the gospel, church. The power of Jesus that saved you is the power of Jesus that sets you free. And the advocate with the Father is, the, is, is also, he, he's also given the Spirit within us. And the Spirit's goal is to unite you back to Christ. Unite you back to each other. Bring you back to the love of God. Bring and express the love of God through each of our lives and to help you follow him out, out of sin and into, into a life with Christ. As we close, I just want to ask you just to bow your heads now. And again, whether you're here or at home, just close your eyes. And when you think about where you're at now in your walk with Christ and what kind of week you had. As I looked over my week last week, I... I had things that I just needed to confess. They were defeating me. I was listening to the accuser, and I need to remind it, I have an advocate. If you need to confess any sin right now, 
run to the cross. The ground is level there. We all need it. So confess it to the Lord right now. Father, it is a good place to be where we recognize our sin and we turn from the accuser and the guilt and the shame and we run to our advocate, Jesus, the righteous one, who reminds us we're not alone, we're not on our own, we're not lost. And so when we confess our sins, you are the one who's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You're the one who cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And we thank you, Jesus, for that. May we rest in your work. May we stop trying and start trusting. May we start, stop doing and trust in the work that's already been done in Christ. And may we follow you. Give us a heart. Give us an appetite to follow you more than we could ever wander, more than we could ever feel lost. And spirit, have freedom in our lives. We thank you, Jesus. May we follow you this week. It's in Christ's name I pray. And for his glory that we live. Amen.